Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to start breaking down Luke chapter 11. And I say start breaking down Luke chapter 11 because Luke chapter 11 is a very long chapter and it is jam-packed with some good stuff. And right off the top, Luke starts out with uh, the disciples asking Jesus to teach them to pray. And so this podcast and probably at least the next podcast, we're going to cover this topic of prayer and what Jesus told the disciples when they came to him and, and told him, teach us how to pray. And right off the bat, Luke says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, and don't let us yield to temptation. Now, what did it take? Maybe 30, 40 seconds to, to read what Jesus told his disciples. And so this is really just an outline of how we should pray, how Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, because Luke has, in, in the other Gospels pointed out too, but Jesus would often many times go alone in isolation. He would get away from the disciples. He would get away from the crowd. He would, he would get somewhere up on a mountainside or somewhere alone where he could concentrate on the Father. And he would spend time, and sometimes all night long, and praying to the Father and just having a conversation and communicating with the Father. And <laughs> obviously, we just read this. You know, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, teach us to pray. Well, we just, he said, here's how you need to pray. And it took us about 30 to 40 seconds uh, to read that. So obviously there is, there is more in depth to what Jesus is saying here. And, and he is not saying when you pray, just take about 30 seconds. But although, you know, it, the way some of our prayer lives are, a 30 second prayer every day would be a lot better than, than what we do. We the, the prayer is kind of like gasoline to a car for a Christian. It, it, it is absolutely necessary in our in our Christian walk. It is absolutely necessary because it, prayer is how we communicate with God. And if we're not praying, we don't have communication. And if we don't have communication, well, it's just like any other relationship. If there's no communication, that relationship is going to fizzle out. And if we're not communicating with our Father in heaven, then there's really not a relationship there or it is a very weak relationship so what i want to do in covering what luke says here and what jesus says about prayer and how to pray and what he says after he gives them what we call the model prayer the lord's prayer after we break that down uh i i just want to challenge myself and you the listener to to really be a person of prayer, to to take quality time, not just throw a little prayer out, prayer out here and there, but to take, like Jesus did, some quality time away from all the distractions. That's why Jesus said in Matthew, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, go into your closet and pray. 
And if that's a literal closet for you, then go get in a, a literal closet and, and pray. Because what he's saying is get in a place of isolation where there's no distractions, where you can focus on God the Father himself and, and pray and not be interrupted by, you know, a, a dog need or a pet needing something, a cat needing something, or, or your kids needing something, or your husband, your wife, uh, you know, needing something. There's no distractions. It's just you and God, and you can spend some one-on-one -on -one time with the Father. And and <clears throat> I know it's lacking in my life, and I and I dare say it's it's lacking in a lot of of the followers of Jesus's lives. And when we, you know, it's just like a car, if it runs out of gas. It's, it's going to be stranded there on the road. And, and, and if we're not in prayer with the Father and our relationship is weak and it's not as strong as it should be, there's a possibility that we could be left you know, out there stranded on the road. And so my challenge to you is as we start this study on prayer is it, it, to, to been we're in this new year, start focusing in on your prayer life and, and become stronger and be uh, let your prayer life be uh, more stronger and be better because the the stronger our prayer life is the stronger our relationship is with the father that is how we communicate with god and that's how one of the ways how he communicates with us and we'll talk more about that later on but jesus uh is 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 hanging out with his disciples he's been in a a, a place of solitude <clears throat> praying and when he finished he returns to his disciples and one of the disciples asks him he says lord teach us to pray and, and just as john taught his disciples so they're, they're showing interest but you know they want to learn which is interesting because they've listened to jesus's teachings they they, they have seen his miracles that he has done and, and continues to do and they themselves, if we just learned in the past two chapters, 9 and 10, the 12 disciples, <coughs> excuse me, the 12 disciples have been sent out on a mission into these towns and villages, and they've preached uh, the kingdom of God, and they've worked miracles themselves. And, 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 and so now they have noticed that there's something to this prayer stuff. There's, there's a reason why Jesus is going out here in a place of isolation and leaving us alone for a while and then coming back there, there, there's a connection here and and so there, we we're curious to know what's going on with this prayer stuff so lord will you teach us to pray the second thing i want to point out is this <clears throat> and it comes from that same verse when they say lord teach us to pray he's they say the, the disciples said just as john taught his disciples so we know from the other gospels that, that jesus some of jesus's disciples were actually disciples of john the baptizer first they, they they followed john around john was out there baptizing in the jordan he had disciples he would be out there teaching people about the kingdom of god that is coming and so he had disciples that he taught and, and he evidently he had taught them how to pray to the father and so i have no way of proving this but it just makes me wonder if, if these disciples that are now following jesus john the baptist has been beheaded at this point but they even before he was beheaded they had quit following john <coughs> and started following jesus 
But you'll have to bear with me because uh, I've, I've been battling a sickness per, for the past few days, and and uh, and so I'm going to be coughing quite a bit. So my apologies uh, for that in advance because it, it's going to happen quite often. But I just I I have no way of proving this, but I I just wonder if if these disciples that used to follow John and they they're used to hearing John pray and and, and they they've heard the teaching teachings of John and how he taught them to pray. I wonder if it is these disciples that are that are, are leading the way, leading the charge, if you will, of going to Jesus and saying, "Hey, dude, we want to be able to pray like you pray. We see some kind of connection here. We see there's something special." about your prayer life with the Father, and, and, and we want a prayer life like you have. And and so I, I, I want to point something else out to you. And, and, and it's these guys have been with Jesus for quite some time now. And, and like I said, they, they've seen him do all this stuff. They've heard all of these teachings. But never once did Jesus force these guys to learn how to pray. He has never forced prayer onto them. Uh, he has given them the authority to go out and preach, right? He, they went into the village. He's given them the authority to cast out demons and to, to work miracles. But he has never really, um, he has never really uh, taught them how to pray. He has never really said, guys, you really need to be uh, people of prayer. He, he has kind of laid back on this issue, and he has allowed them to come to him and say, hey, we realize there, there's something to this prayer stuff, and <clears throat> we want to be a people of prayer just like you are. So teach us how to pray. So Jesus let them come to him, and, 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 and I'll talk more about this here in just a little bit, because we always expect God to intervene in our lives when, when, <clears throat> and, and <clears throat> when something's going on in our life. And we're we're expecting God to intervene when when actually God is expecting us to come to Him with our needs through prayer, and Jesus makes this clear in this chapter, and we'll break that down here in just a little bit. The third thing I want to point out, and this is what we're going to talk about in in, in today's podcast, is that Jesus gives the disciples what we call the model prayer and you know i used to quote this thing i can remember when i was 12 years old and and all stars and we we made state and we were traveling around the state and and we're playing (coughs) and our baseball coach would always make us cite the lord's prayer at the beginning of the games and i thought it was always pretty cool but i I, being a child i I really didn't understand what the lord's prayer was all about and that's what we're going to break down when we come back from break we'll be right We all know technology is great when it's operating properly, but when it's not, it can be a huge headache. Well, I want to tell you about my friend Joshua. He is a tech guru, and he is here to help you with any problems that you are having with your computer or your phone. Joshua offers computer troubleshooting. He can get rid of those viruses that slow your computer down. He offers computer training. He offers iPhone and iPad tutoring. He has Wi-Fi support. He offers web hosting. Joshua can come over to your house or he can help you with your situation by phone. Check out his website at joshuastechservices.com or give him a call at 865-268-6698. So Jesus' disciples come to him and say, Dude, we want to know how to pray like you pray. 
And Jesus says, all right, you want to know how to pray? Like I pray, here's the first thing you do. He says, Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And then he says, don't let us yield to temptation. And so the first thing that Jesus said, and <clears throat> if it's the first thing that Jesus said, it's the utmost importance. He says, Father, may your name be kept holy. So guys, if you want to learn how to pray, Jesus said, you keep God's name holy. Well, what does it mean to keep God's name holy? What does it mean that God is even holy? we got to understand that if we want to keep God's name holy. There are tons of verses throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament talking about God being holy. For instance, Le Leviticus 19.2, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Psalm 99, verse 9, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Um, <clears throat> this is a concept that I think that we have lost in today's church in, in, in our time. And I'll explain it like this. Uh, the Greek word for holy is hagios. Uh, it means pure, morally blameless. It means consecrated. It means uh, properly reverend. It means worthy of worship. God is the only one who fits this description. God is the only being, the only person that is worthy of worship. And <clears throat> when I was in Bible college, I was told that hagios means to be set apart for a sacred purpose. And that's what we are. Uh, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have God living inside of us. And with God living on the inside of us, we are holy people. We are uh, a peculiar nation, Peter says. We have been set apart for a holy purpose. And that holy purpose is to tell people about Jesus and, and to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. So God is holy. He is worthy of worship. And, and <clears throat> the best way to describe this is go back and look at how the Jews thought about God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And you can study this. You can go to any, any of the websites and you're going to hear uh, some of the things that I took off Wikipedia but you're going to read these and you're going to hear these things. But uh, I just want to read some of them to you. It says, in Judaism, the name of God is more than a distinguishing title. It represents the Jewish conception of the divine nature and the of the relation of God to the Jewish people. Now, get this. It says, in all at the sacredness of the names of God and as a means of showing respect and reverence for them, the scribes of the sacred text took pause before copying them and used terms of reverence so as to keep the true name of God concealed. In other words, they were very cautious. They were very careful when they were, because we don't have any of the original writings. They're all gone for whatever reason. Most of them in the New Testament were written on papyrus, and papyrus, it just flakes if you breathe on it. <clears throat> and so they didn't last. But what would happen is that they probably noticed this was going on, and so they would read something and they would go over here and they would copy it exactly as the way they read it. And when they came across the name of God, they would pause and they would give reverence and they would be very careful how they wrote the name of God. And if they messed up at all, they literally burned 
that papyrus. They burned that scroll because they understood that God is holy. Then it says the most important and most often written name of God in Judaism is the Tetragrammaton. Now, Judaism is, is the religion that was going on before Jesus died on the cross. It was the religion for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, dating way back into uh, the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes along and says, you know, Moses said this, but I'm telling you this. You need to live like this. And and <clears throat> and that was the whole problem in the book of Hebrews. The people were leaving Jesus because of persecution and going back into this religion called Judaism. And so it, it says the most important and most often written name of God in Judaism is the Tetragrammaton, the four-letter name of God. The name is first mentioned in the book of Genesis and is usually translated as the Lord because Judaism forbids pronouncing the name outside the temple in Jerusalem. The correct pronunciation of this name has been lost. The original Hebrew text only included consonants. All modern denominations of Judaism teach that the four-letter name of God, Y-H-W-H, is forbidden, or we, we say it as Yahweh, is forbidden to be uttered except by the high priest in the temple. Well, there's a problem because just like Jesus said it would, the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70 by the Romans. And it says, since the temple in Jerusalem no longer exists, this name is never said in religious rituals by Jews. Orthodox and conservative Jews never pronounce it for any reason. Some religious non-Orthodox Jews are willing to pronounce it, but only for educational purposes only and never in casual conversation or in prayer. Instead of pronouncing Yahweh during prayer, these Jews say Adonai for the name of God. That is how the Jews see the name of God being holy. They have respect. They have an awe. They have a reverence for the name of God. God, and that's an interesting study. If you would like to Google that and study that on your own, and I'm just telling you, in 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 the Western culture and being Gentiles, especially in our modern day churches, in my opinion, we have lost what it means for God to be holy and to keep His name holy. I mean, you can walk in any church building in, in your town next Sunday. And, and you will see what I mean, because if we understood the concept that God is holy, then we wouldn't keep our hands in our pockets. We would keep our hands down by our side. We, we wouldn't be wondering what happened in the football game last night and why our team lost or what's going to be happening in the playoff game after church is over, or what we're having for supper, or what fishing hole we're going. We wouldn't be worried about any of that stuff. We would be on our knees, and we would be on our faces bowing before God because we understand that He is holy. We would be singing our songs at the top of our lungs and out of the abundance of our heart because we understand that God is holy. But you walk in our churches today, you walk into our churches next Sunday in your hometown, and you will see exactly what I mean, that we have lost what it means that God is holy. And I can understand why Jesus, the very first thing he told his disciples, you want to learn how to pray? Keep the name of God holy and that is one of the challenges i want to challenge you and i'm challenging myself with is that <clears throat> that we keep the name of god holy not just on sunday mornings in our worship services but on our daily lives because our daily lives is our worship services people are watching us how we act because they know that we proclaim to be uh filled with god's holy spirit that we follow jesus 
and do our daily lives show that we understand that God is holy. The second thing Jesus said, he said, you want to learn how to pray? Pray that God's kingdom comes soon, which is interesting to me because just two chapters ago, he commissioned these same 12 guys to go out into these villages and these towns and preach to these people that the kingdom of God is here. And he was talking about himself. And he's about to die on the cross, and he's going to be resurrected three days. And he's going to send back to the Father, and the Holy Spirit's going to come. In Acts chapter 2, um, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're uh, speaking in tongues. The people hear this message in, in, in their own languages, and, and they're hearing that they have crucified the very Messiah they've been looking for. And they say to Peter, men and brethren, what do we do? And Peter says, you got to repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus. This guy that you just rejected, this guy that you just killed, you got to be baptized in his name and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is unto you and to those your children and all those that are far off. And uh, about 3,000 people uh, do that. They're, they're obedient to what Peter says. And it says the Lord added them to the church. And so the church was birthed that day in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And when the church was birthed, the kingdom has come. It has started. It is, it, it, and if we are washing the blood of Jesus Christ and we're followers of Christ, we are a part of that kingdom. Now, there are people that pray this prayer still, your kingdom come, thinking that they're waiting for Jesus to return. And that's fine. We are. We are waiting for Jesus to return. And we're waiting for Jesus to take us out of this crappy old nasty world. But... <clears throat> Jesus said, if you want to learn how to pray, you got to keep God's name holy. You pray that God's kingdom comes soon. And then he says, because I, I just don't want to get too bogged down in, in that last point. But <clears throat> he says, the third thing you got to pray is this. Give us each day the food that we need. In other words, we got to be dependent on God to provide our daily needs. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with, with putting money in the bank. There's asked, that, that, that's a good concept, and that's, a, that's the right, a godly thing to do because you want to take care of your family. <coughs> Excuse me. But here's what I mean by what I'm about to say. <coughs> uh, God provides. We do provide. Yes, we get up and we go to work, and we, we, we work st- 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours, however many hours a week you work, and we get a paycheck and we pay the bills, and we're providing for our family. But God is allowing us to have that job. It's God that allows us to get up out of that bed. It's God that allows us to move about and have our being. It can literally be taken from us in a blink of an eye. I mean, how many people do you know that's gotten sick from COVID and they have complications and they can't work? How many people that you know had a bad accident while they were on the job even or you know something's come along in their life and, and they're just not able to work and so they're having to depend on someone else to provide for them. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. That is God's responsibility. It is God's responsibility to provide for us. And he's saying, guys, if you want to learn how to pray, God's kingdom, pray this, that uh, God's name be kept holy. He says, pray that God's kingdom comes quickly. And pray that God provides your daily needs. In other words, you're going to have to trust in God. And then he says, pray this, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And see, we all love that first part because we want forgiveness of our sins. We want to go to heaven when we die. When we take our last breath, 
We want our first breath to be in heaven with God the Father, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit for eternity, right? But Jesus says, hey, if you want forgiveness of sins, there's a contingency here because if he says, you pray this, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. In other words, we have to forgive people who have wronged us, and that is not easy. It's very difficult. It's very, very difficult, and we can only do it with God's help. In other words, we're depending on God yet again. This is not an option. Forgiveness is not an option. In Matthew 6, 14, Jesus says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. In other words, the opposite is true as well. If you don't forgive, your heavenly Father is not going to forgive you. In Matthew 18, 21-35, Jesus gives a parable of the servant who was granted forgiveness of a debt that he held, and yet he wasn't willing to forgive the ones who owed him. And Jesus says in that parable, at the end of that parable, he's, or that story, he says, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? He's thought, this is the king talking to the servant, which is God. And he says, then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And Jesus says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive brothers and sisters from your heart. And this all stemmed from a question that Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody that sins against me? Seven times? And Jesus says, seven times? Are you crazy? He said, no, you know, not seven times, but seven times 70. And Jesus is not saying we, we can forgive 490 times, but that 491st time, no, you're on your own, bro. I ain't got to forgive you. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying every time somebody sins against you, you have to forgive them. You have to forgive him because my father's forgiveness, my father's love is unconditional. And my father lives inside of you. My father lives inside of me. Therefore, if I want forgiveness, then I have to give forgiveness because I have been forgiven and my sins are washed away. I cannot hold on to a grudge. I have to let it go. I have to let it go because missing heaven is not worth it i'm just i'm just lightly touching on on these for this podcast there's a deeper study and you can do that uh, on your own time and i pray that you do and so the next thing that jesus says hey you want to learn how to pray how about this don't let us yield to temptation paul says in first corinthians 10 13 the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and god is faithful he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand and when you are tempted he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I can 100% guarantee you that Satan is going to try to get you to fall. I can 100% guarantee you that Satan is going to dangle that carrot in front of your face because he knows our weaknesses. He knows what gets our attention. <coughs> he knows what gets our focus off of God. And he's going to come to us and he's going to dangle that carrot and hopefully get us to go for the bait. But I can also 100% guarantee you that God is faithful, just like Paul said, and God will make a way of escape. And that way of escape is to say no and turn and flee and run. But it's not easy because temptation is fun. Uh, and, 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 but we have to realize what's going on. We have to assess what's going on and realize, hey, this, this is sin. And sin separates me from God, and I want to be close to God, so I got to say no, and I got to get got to get out of here. 
And so Jesus says, don't let us yield to temptation. That, that's what that uh, you need to pray. So I want to recap what Jesus says when the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. He says, you want to you, you wanna know how to pray? Okay, here's how you pray. First of all, keep the name of God holy because God is holy. And keep the name of God holy. The second thing is, pray that God's kingdom comes soon. And then, pray this, depend on God to provide your daily food, your daily needs. Just trust God. Know where your blessings come from. And then he says, pray this, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. You're going to be okay. And then last, he says, when you pray, pray that God helps us not to give in to temptation. I guess the biggest question I have is do you keep the name of God holy? Do you have a respect, a reverence for God? Because that is the very first thing Jesus mentions. And if we have that that awe, that uh, reverence, that we understand that God is holy, then I think all these other things will fall into place and take care of themselves. Be a person of prayer because it is absolutely necessary to our faith, to our relationship with God. The stronger our prayer life, the stronger our relationship is with God. I promise you that. So be a person of prayer and remember that God is holy. And so as we are representatives of God, we too should be, as to strive the best that we can be, holy as he is holy. God bless you. I hope to see you back for part two. Have a great day and keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.